I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. We are reeling from a remarkable Forex reaction to the European Central Bank meeting on Thursday. An aggressive package of measures to ease monetary policy yet further, including cuts to the benchmark interest rates to a new low and expanding the asset purchase programme to €80 billion a month, set off dramatic movements in the euro. I'm not exaggerating. First, it fell 1.5%. That was all good for the ECB as it strives to get a competitive currency. But then it bounced back, it retraced all that loss, and it actually moved 1% higher to about $1.11. Well, what to make of all of that? I'm Roger Blitz, and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast on the FX market. And joining me this week is Temos Fiatakis, head of FX and rate strategy at UBS. Temos, uh, even as we speak, the reaction to... Uh, Mario Draghi's package is still going on. I suppose we can conclude that one thing, obviously, we can conclude it was pretty volatile, wasn't it? It has been. And what is important to understand is that you have to bring the market pricing into some context. The market expectation is something we always need to keep as a context to our discussion. The market has been, for a while now, excessively pessimistic and dovish. Yes, there is a genuine inflation issue, not just in Europe. But around the world, I would say, yes, European growth could have been a lot stronger, but uh, the market expectation has been exceptionally weak. And it's not just on the euro. You can read across most markets that market expects a very, very long, even decade-long period of low inflation, very weak growth, and the ECB to remain on the back foot. And every time the ECB delivers the different types of offsetting dynamics, are a reminder that the market is already quite bearish. Yes. Europe. I don't know how closely you followed the movements as uh, the announcement came. It seemed like the market wanted to believe uh, Draghi. Um, it seemed like they bought into the fact that they wanted an aggressive package and they got it. Is it fair to say, let's look at the package first. The it package is aggressive, is aggressive it? and it's aggressive on several dimensions, right? The package itself includes certain aspects which we forecasted and we were actually more dovish than consensus like the purchase of corporate bonds. But the announcement of the Teltro, uh, the targeted long-term repo operation, uh, at the potentially negative rates for banks, banks can actually borrow with the ECB paying them. subsidizing the banks. Absolutely, it's subsidized lending. Is is, is that to counteract the uh, pain that the banks are suffering on negative interest rate policy? Absolutely, partly. Partly also because these, the lending standards in Europe have not followed the strong demand. So it's also to incentivize, pretty much like the Bank of England did a few years ago in a different fashion with a funding for lending scheme, to incentivize with some kind of subsidy for banks to expand lending and meet demand. 
Okay, so there's two ways to look at the big rebound that subsequently happened within an hour. One is to say, well, actually, the market looked at the package a bit more deeply and then wasn't as impressed as it might have been. And the second one, which appears to be more accurately connected to the price, is when Draghi started to talk about the limitations of QE. Which which of those do you think was was caused this big rebound? So, you know, in part, obviously, the Draghi mentions of the limitations of QE could have helped. But there's another element here I'd like to bring to the table. The fact that if you think of the euro move as partly driven to interest rate expectations and interest rate expectations partly driven by risk sentiment, growth expectations, etc. When you see obviously lower rates in the, bring the euro lower. But on the other hand, the offsetting dynamic is that when you have some expectation that later on risk you know, will rebound, lending standards will ease, bank credit tightens, equity markets go up, then that tends to push rates slightly higher. So a similar move that we have seen in the euro, we have also seen in rates, which first declined and then backed a little bit up. So the combination of easing in the first instance, and then the realization that this may be slightly better than the market expected, plus a little bit of a growth rebound, a little bit of a risky asset rebound in Europe has led the euro back not too far from where it basically was pre-announced. Well, what does that... What do we conclude? I know it's so easy, so difficult to, to make a conclusion, but do we conclude that actually <laughs> the one thing we know is that when the ECB has meetings, it creates a reaction yeah. as it did in December. Yeah. So... But but actually, after that, we get the kind of the dreaded realization that actually global growth is slow, eurozone growth is slow. In other words, we simply have to go through this process to actually effectively get back to where we started. Absolutely. And that's what policy is reacting to, right? Per- policy is reacting to developments in growth and, uh, and, and inflation. And it would have been quite bad if it didn't react to those. So we have to keep that into account. There's another element here. The ECB is increasingly now starting to think of dimensions outside the currency itself. And it could be something to bring to the table in this discussion as well. The, the, the ECB is thinking about banks. The ECB is thinking about you know the pressures that they're under. The ECB is thinking about what they have done in the transmission mechanism. And they're gearing their policy increasingly towards aspects of the policy outside of effects. So the TLTRO is mostly geared towards banks. It's not that much of an of a, of a uh, of a currency measure. And in terms of the currency specific measures like the negative rates, there has been some discussion that the, there is a lower bound and we not, may not be that far away from the lower bound. But there are some even more sweeping conclusions we want to try and make. One is is the market any more convinced about Draghi and the potency of the ECB or central banks in general? Uh, the other is whether this inflation target has got any closer or is simply further away. On the first one, is Draghi's reputation any better on Friday as it was on Wednesday, the day before the ECB meeting? Um, I think that they are doing the right thing. I think that, um, you know, you can we can always have a discussion about how much more they could do, but we never know what exactly goes on behind closed doors and the discussions they're having. And they have to face a number of risks that they need to address. However, I think that we're having a very big and a very global problem that needs to be addressed. And some central banks are realizing it. Some central banks are not realizing it. The decline in inflation expectations has been dramatic. It has been global, and it has been something that 
needs to be addressed. In the US, for instance, they have completely dismissed the decline in inflation expectations as a market anomaly. In Europe, they have taken it more seriously. It's important to see how Bank of Japan reacts to it. So reacting to the decline in inflation expectations is important by itself. And I would, if my opinion was asked, I would congratulate the ECB on that part. Okay. And so therefore, to my second question, inflation target, doesn't necessarily mean to say we're any closer to getting to that inflation target. But we're making a big effort to get there. Well, uh, that remain, th- that is a very difficult question, I would say, and a very unpredictable question because there's elements involved that are different. I would say a few things. First of all, we have gone through a round of doubt about whether central banks are potent, which is a very big part of your underlying part of your question. We have done some very thorough research, and what we have found is that actually central banks are quite potent here, particularly when it comes to market transmission mechanisms. Um, about 60% of the expansion in valuations in stocks can be attributed to QE in our estimates. And almost half of the decline in global bond yields is due to policy easing. And this is important. Central banks still have a lot of market-moving tools in their hands. However, the problem is big. And from our perspective, the bigger risk here is not that the ECB eases and it doesn't ease enough or it doesn't convince the market. The one big element which has also featured in the FT's sort of like line of literature and publications is that there are other central banks around the world that when they see this global problem of inflation expectations declining, they're not doing much. One of them being the Fed here. Uh, one, another being, we'll see, will remains to be seen what the Bank of Japan does. China plays a big role. And without coordination, a global problem of that nature cannot just be addressed okay. simply by the ECB. Okay. So, I mean, we just on the euro, and I mean, in my simplistic view, uh, interpretation, the euro needs to go down for the eurozone to be competitive. Does that still remain the case? Is that, is that simply a truism? Or actually, is something else going on here in that we need the QE uh, tools to really have a a much more deeper, long-lasting effect before before we can have that. In other words, should we just simply put on hold uh, expectations of where the euro should be? That's a very good question. Um, I think that obviously, um, in terms of the euro area, it has gained significant competitiveness. It's in a much better place than it was when the euro was at 130. And obviously, you can take some places, such as my home country, Greece, and question the overall competitiveness of the labor structure, for instance, the labor price structure. But other parts of Europe, arguably the more meaningful from a GDP contribution perspective, like Germany, you can arguably say that they're quite competitive in terms of wage levels globally. Having said that, you know, obviously, any country would like a weaker and weaker currency to boost growth by that channel. However, the euro area is a very, very big economy. It's depending on where the exchange rate is, is one is either the first or the second largest economy in the world. It cannot just devalue its currency without consequences, right? So we what we've learned when the euro was at one oh six was that, for instance, the dollar at the other side of the Atlantic was starting to hurt the sure. US economy. Yes. So you know it's 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 a tango and we're learning that two steps forward takes a step back. Okay. And talking of that tango, we have the Fed meeting next week. That's right. And so I mean, one thing I wrote this week is that if Draghi is really going to get a euro weaker, it's actually on the other side of the equation and it's going to happen. It's, it's if, if the Fed moves uh, to a faster rate hike cycle than the market is, is expecting. Uh, is that your view? Do you agree? Um, so I think, first of all, let me say that this is the crucial question, right? Uh, we're now shifting from the euro to the dollar. 
and that's that's quite important. Um, firstly, if I was to narrow the question in terms of what the market expects for for, for the next meeting for the next for the 2016 relative to what to where the Fed's mindset is, it's very likely that uh, the Fed, due to the strong labor market data and inflation data, does deliver a little bit more than what the market expects, at least the way things stand now. UBS forecasts two hikes this year. About one hike is priced. The risk is that you see a little bit more uh, tightening from the Fed. Having said that, the key question for markets and for exchange rate markets in particular, which is the focus of this discussion, is the long-term path. Um, we have to take a step back and think of where we're headed. Is this a process that leads to an eventual adjustment of rates in the U.S. to, I don't know, 1%, 2%, and then we figure out that this in this low-rates environment, there are limits to how much one should expect the Fed to raise rates in the long run? Or is this an environment that basically we normalize to a level very consistent to what the Fed has been communicating to the market, something close to 3.5%. That latter bit, which is what the market has also kept close to heart for a very long period of time, looks increasingly questionable. Mm. So to put it more simpler terms, what matters for markets is whether we are on a policy normalization to a full higher level of rates as we used to see in a previous cycle. That's what the markets are expecting, yes. and it's unlikely. I suspect we're talk- we'll be talking less about divergence and more about what, what normalization, even if it has come from one point. Very well put. My thanks to Temos Fiotakis of UBS. We look forward to your company again next week for Hard Currency. In the meantime, enjoy the weekend, try and recover from the Euro merry-go-round, and keep up to date with all the Forex news and analysis on ft.com slash markets. Goodbye.